Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are finishing part one of The Way of Kings with chapters 9, 10, and 11, and then we are reading the three interludes between part one and part two, wherein, you know, there's there's Kaladin being sad, there's Kaladin having a flashback to describe why he's so sad, and then there's Kaladin being sad some more, until finally he's not so sad anymore. and then. We we get a, a perspective from a guy that we've never met before. We get a perspective from one of Shalon's brothers, and then we get a perspective from our old friend Seth. So revisiting that. Uh, I'm Data, and with me today is Joe and Dak. Yeah, no Jamie. She's baking a very important Harry Potter cake. It's true. So you have the, it requires a lot of attention to make a good Harry Potter cake as a. Uh, or a good cake in general, as as I know from that episode of Bluey, duck cake. So it's got you know. it's it's got cookies and cream in it. Ooh. So yeah, hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Six whole chapters. Many of them were kind of pretty short, little, especially I guess the interludes or uh, kind of little short slices of life. What did you guys think of these six chapters? Hey, Kaladin uh, finally brassed up. It was good. Good to see. Enjoyed it. So I'm excited to see what comes next for him. I may, I, maybe I wasn't supposed to do this, but I did. I did read the title for part two, so I know the three characters that are going to be next. The three character names that are going to be next in that section. So outrageous. Uh, looking forward to that. You know, nobody said I wasn't supposed to do that, so I apologize <laughs> if uh, if I wasn't supposed to do that. But I did it. It's done. It has been done. So uh, yeah. No, I I really enjoyed the Kaladin stuff. The interludes were very interesting. I, I really feel like I only have a solid lead on one of the people. So we'll see if I'm right or not, or maybe we won't. I don't know if Tata's just going to tell us after or not. But uh, I, I feel like I only am pretty sure about one so we'll figure that out and then uh that was pretty much it it was just kaladin and, and the interludes uh uh we also had that like i guess was uh, one of the interludes was from shalant's brother which was kind of interesting and then sveth i you know that guy's a that guy's an enigma for sure he's, he's <laughs> an interesting character but i feel like he's i almost feel like he's interesting just for the sake of being interesting but maybe maybe there is actually some sub, some substance to him that will come up uh, again later. But yeah, uh, enjoyed everything I read. So looking forward to reading more. So what is your favorite interlude? Oh, uh, I guess just because of the intrigue of you saying we might know these people, the first one. Although okay. this, the Sveth one was a close second. I didn't really care. I didn't really much care for Shalan's brother one. It's Although it does bring to light some perhaps bad you know horrid facts about the kind of person that her dad was but there's not super definitive 
talk about what actually he did. So mm. uh, that's somewhat speculation on my part, but it doesn't sound good. Uh, no. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, okay. yeah, but uh, definitely the first one's my favorite. And then because um, because they're looking for Hoyt. So that's like some Cosmere stuff. And then the the Sveth stuff was also very good. OK, fair enough. Yeah, the um, the Kaladin stuff is a couple of the chapters at least feel kind of one note to me. But to the uh, the uh, the flashback thing is kind of interesting. So, yeah, it was it was interesting to get a, a view into that. But yeah, I'm I'm more interested in his story going forward. Backstory for character development is of course important, and it sounds like his dad was an interesting character. But I'm uh, I'm definitely interested in what's going to happen to him going forward right now. Like that's my primary interest mm. in the characters. So uh, while yeah. I did appreciate the flashback stuff, it, it wasn't it wasn't the standout moment to me. The standout moment is what occurs from uh, from Sil coming back. Yeah, no, that's a yeah galvanizing moment. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, a lot of fun. I I liked Kaladin stuff. It was nice. Like the flashback with his dad was really fascinating. Just to, like see his younger life, and it was cool to see him just like literally coming up to the brink and then deciding no, fuck it. And then he comes back and he puts fucking Gary in his place. <laughs> so yeah, no, cool. Hopefully, you know, like the the absolute pain train that Kaladin has been on for the last little while is if not over, but he's gonna make something of it. So that's cool interludes man i was really happy when i saw seth came back i really like that guy i don't know what to make of like it seems like it's meant to be an ominous note that his ends on with the you have my stone you must command me and this random like got like mug, mugger in the street is just like a really <laughs> so unless that turns out to be hoyd then i'm just like why is this so fucking ominous so, like he's just a dude who yeah. beats people up by money it was very mustache twirly it was like yeah. oh i see it's like if, if it was a character no. we knew of or recognized, I'm just like, maybe that would be. But it's just like, this is a dude in a back alley with a knife. Well, you know, now uh, he doesn't have to beat people up himself. He has somebody else do it for him. Well, yeah, but it's like he's still just going like, to. I mean, I assume it's not going to happen because of who Seth is, but it's like, he's not. He, great, I've got someone else who could beat people up in the back alley for me. Super. <laughs> yeah, Shalan's brother is fucked. That His whole bit where he's just talking about, man, killing things is great. And I'm the reasonable one of my family. I'm like, okay, fuck this dude. And his weird prawn dog <laughs> was not prepared for that. I know there's the whole, oh, don't assume you know what everything means. And like grass is not grass and trees not tree. But I wasn't expecting yeah. hound to mean fucking crayfish dog. Yeah, lob- <laughs> lobster dog. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Need need a dog? Why not Zoidberg? Yeah. It's a whooping you know they- terrier. <laughs> it brings a whole new meaning to like the food lobster dog. <laughs> is that actually a thing? I was say uh, I, don't, I don't think I've heard. I don't of lobster think dog. so, but it's basically the same as a lobster roll. Mm. Okay, a lobster roll is basically a lobster dog. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, good chapters. Hey, uh, Dak, say homeowner loan again. <laughs> <laughs> homeowner loan. Oh, now you said it in American accent. That's not fun. <laughs> All right, yeah, sorry. Homeowner loan. Nice. Love it. Uh, okay, sorry, but... Um, yeah, <laughs> that was one of these Shalons- other digressions we've had. Yeah, look, this is a Jamie-less episode. Be prepared for <laughs> yeah. possible... We're going to go down digression. random alleys. Oh, we're yeah. struggling. <laughs> so, yeah, Shalon's brother definitely seems to be a little bit uh, not right. That that boy ain't right. I yeah, oh, yeah. Hank Hill. As, as yeah, you yeah. might say. It's very much a uh, wrong kid, Dad. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, and, and like you say, he, he's like, and I'm the normal one. 
So, man, all right. Is that yeah, including so Shalon? Like, is she yeah. more abnormal? He spends his time just, like, ripping, like, animals apart. It's like, oh, just just give me that. Maybe I can pull the legs off it or something like that. And I'm the normal one. And I'm just like, cool, so fuck this entire family then. <laughs> it's like, I love to feel the resistance of it snapping. It's like, oh, God. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, a little bit disturbing. Yep. I mean, I like to crack my knuckles, but that's different. Those, those are your own knuckles. <laughs> yeah. Not, 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 <laughs> not, not crab not knuckles. Crabs. Not, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I do crack like crab claws but they're they're right. dead when i do it yeah. they're dead sure yeah and you don't have a lobster dog that's also doing it for fun that you're like oh man i want to do it so bad i want to take that for my lobster dog it's like that was actually his dinner sir you just robbed him the axe uh, sound I, I, also i forgot like the entire time you were doing that intro and talking about caledon or like all i could think was like oh good we know why he's sad super <laughs> Well, and yeah, when you, when you were like, uh, you know, he he gave Gary what was coming to him or whatever. I was like, oh man, Cal and Gary becoming best friends already, buddies forever. I think Jamie called that. Somebody called that, that they would be friends. I don't think that that's happened yet. But there seems there seems to be less of a I'm trying to get you killed at the moment. Mm-hmm. Or Gary Maybe. could turn around and just be even worse and just like uh, after that threat, he's just double down on it. Yeah, I, I don't know how he will take that. He seemed intimidated in the moment, but. When he re- remembers that he's the one in charge, maybe it won't be the same. Now I'm dude, the one dude, in charge. Dude hangs out in lightning storms. Well, yeah, got to make sure you get your spheres. It's true. Uh, which is a whole other thing. We'll get into the sphere thing, but uh, that's it's an interesting little uh, bit of world building too. Okay, let's let, let's move into these chapters. So our our next chapter is damnation. Ten people with shard blades alight, standing before a wall of black and white and red. One of our own Ardents overheard during his last moments. Our own Ardents? Hmm, what, was that? what was that about? Yeah, sounds like these are maybe quotes captured by priests. I don't know. Attending to the dying or something? Yeah, maybe. I mean, that makes sense. Hmm. So this chapter is, by and large, Kaladin sitting still and not talking. And uh, like just staring. And he's like sitting out in the rain. It's not a high storm, it's just some regular old rain. And there's another guy like laying staring at the sky eyes unblinking as the rain comes down and i'm just like that's it's a disturbing picture honestly and we, f- we find out like um of the people on the bridge crew when he started like he's not even sure how long ago like two weeks three weeks whatever of the 25 men who survived the first run that he made 23 were now dead two had been moved to other crews but they died over there instead only one other man in kaladin remained so that's a hell of a turnover rate in like three weeks maybe yeah, well, people die on bridge crews. And it's like, and so, you know, they replenished their numbers, and most of those guys had died. And then they replenished them again, and uh, a lot of those guys were dead, too. But we find out that not all the runs are as bad as what we saw. If the Alethi get there first, then nobody nobody dies. Well, no bridgemen, anyway, because there's no parchment to shoot at them. And sometimes, Sadius's army shows up, and there's another Alethi army already fighting. And then Sadius just turns around and goes home. And so he's like, what? None of this really makes any sense. Like, what is going on out here? They don't seem to care about, like, pushing and fighting the Parshendi and getting revenge for the king. They they go out, they do a fight, they come back and party. And in between bridge runs, just so they don't get uh, too bored, the bridgemen get other random work, like scrubbing latrines, cleaning streets, mucking out stables, gathering rocks. Yeah, Yeah, it really seems like these people are just fighting for the sake of fighting like 
they don't they're not like actually interested in uh like it's almost like it's a what you call it it's almost like it's just we we do it because we ha- we're supposed to mm. like it's an unending battle quarrel and we just continue it Cal Calvin compares it to a game so that's kind of similar to what you're going for where it's just like nobody's trying to take it that seriously and the one thing he's the one clue he's been able to get is what's going on has something to do with those large chrysalises on the plateaus they had gemstones at their hearts apparently but what that had to do with anything he doesn't know and why aren't the bridgemen allowed to have like shields he's he asked like why can't you put like a few bridgemen at the front with shields to block the arrows from killing everybody else and they're like that yeah, would slow you down and then he asked again and they're like you'll be strung up if you don't shut your mouth so okay then yeah, I'll admit the entire like early bridge cruise um, chapter. I spent the whole thing going. It's like they couldn't put blockers up. It seems like you want to keep these people alive, even if you don't care about them that much. They're kind of necessary, right? That's what he thinks too. But uh, somebody somewhere seems to disagree for some reason, and uh, they're not giving him much information. And Sill is just like Kaladin. You haven't spoken in days, and uh, he thinks that there's only like you, you, there's no escape. There's only one way out like the chasm that's nearby. Technically, we're not supposed to go there, but the sentries ignore that. It's the one mercy they give to Bridgman. You can go out there and jump and kill yourself and get free. And then Kaladin says that his dad said there were two kinds of people in the world, those who take lives and those who save lives. And he used to think dad was wrong, that there was a third kind, people who kill to protect. Now he's decided that while that's not right, there is a third group, they're the people who just exist to be killed or protected or saved, whatever. The victims, and that's all I am. So, yeah, he's not in a great place uh, psychologically. Uh, Syl is sitting here like, you used to be vibrant. Everybody looked up to you. And she even says, I used to watch you fight. And he's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. She didn't start following me until, like, after I was a slave. How, what is she talking about? She saw me in the army. There's lots of ways that Bridgman can be punished. Extra work, have your pay docked. If you do something really bad, they string you up for the Stormfather's judgment by leaving you tied to a post or a wall to face a high storm. That's uh, that seems, uh, you know, reasonable. (laughs) The Stormfather will decide your fate, whatever that is. But the only way to get executed as a bridgeman is to refuse to run towards the towards the battle. The message is clear. Charging with a bridge might get you killed, but refusing will get you killed. They behead you if you do that. That's a special punishment they save specifically for that infraction. Now we see them get some more men, but nobody really cares. Nobody cares about anything, really. Bridge 4, just, it's, it's not a fun place to be. He sees a young guy who reminds him of Tien. He's like, no, no. And then Syl says that she's leaving. He's like, what? No. She says, I'll try to come back, but I don't know what will happen when I leave you. I have odd memories. Most aren't even memories, but one of them tells me that if I leave you, I might lose myself. But I, just, I can't watch you like this anymore. I'll it's try weird. to come back. Yeah, right? Like, what does that mean? And so, yeah, she takes off. The youth th- that reminded him of Tien died the very next bridge run. And so did the one guy, the one other guy who'd survived that initial bridge run way back when. So Kaladin is the most uh, the most experienced bridgeman on Bridge 4, at least, at this point. So if, like me, you thought that character was going to be important, you were wrong. <laughs> Screw you. We don't even get a name. He's just dead. Yeah. He's just a guy who looks like other guy and then uh we we, they're in their bunker during a high storm and he starts crying and that's the end of that chapter so that's that's nice he's uh he's in a very very bad place 
And then the, chapter 10 is Stories of Surgeons, where we flash back to nine years ago. So Kaladin is 10 years old at this point. And he comes into the surgery room where his dad is setting up. He's apparently late. And his dad's like, we'll discuss your tardiness later. And there's a young woman on the table. She's already been drugged. And her, what was it called? Her free hand is uh, severely damaged. And so Kaladin, Kaladin's dad, rather, is a surgeon. His name is Liren. And Kaladin, a 10-year-old Kaladin, is his surgery assistant, which is a hell of a thing to have to be when you are 10 years old. But, uh, you know, what can you do? And so this this young woman has, uh, like, a mangled hand. I guess right hand. I was trying to remember which one is the free hand and which one's the safe hand. Like, three of the fingers are badly damaged. One of them so badly damaged that Kaladin is like, we're going to have to cut that one off, aren't we? Left hand was, like, the, 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 the covered hand. Yeah, I think that's the safe hand because we discussed if you're left-handed, you're screwed, basically. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Free hand. Would I assume it has to do something with like being married or whatever, because like it sounds like only maidens have their hand covered. I may be wrong about that, but that's what it sounds uh, like. That to makes me. that makes sense. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, hmm, maybe. I don't. I, did Kaladin mention his mom wearing a glove or something? I feel like I don't know. I might be imagining that. Might but might come up in a Shalon chapter. Somebody wearing a glove. Anyway. Uh, they have the town's only Fabriel clock because most people don't care about hours and minutes, but the sur- for the surgeon, it's apparently important. So it's a clock with a uh, a single dial and a glowing smoke stone at its heart. It had to be infused to keep the time. And we learn, I think in the next chapter, kind of what infused means. We've heard about that a little bit before, but I don't think that we had an idea of exactly what it entailed. And Kaladin has to wash his hands. He's like, why do you have to wash your hands? That's so dumb. Wisdom of the Heralds, Death Spren and Rot Spren hate water. It will keep them away. Well, Hammy says that's silly. He says Death Spren are mighty good at killing folks, so why should they be afraid of a little water? The Heralds were wise beyond our understanding. But they're demons, Father. I heard it from off the Ardent who came teaching last spring. He's like, no, that's the Radiance. You're mixing them up again. The Heralds were sent to teach mankind. They led us against the Voidbringers after we were cast from heaven. The Radiance were the Orders of Knights they founded. Oh, and they were demons. No, no. They betrayed us once the heralds left. They were just men with too much power and not enough sense. Either way, you have to wash your hands. This is all interesting. I want to know more about this. Right? <laughs> well, I don't know. Based on the context, it sounds like maybe the the Radiance are the guys at the beginning of the book from the prologue. Like, because no, was... said they betrayed us, they banded us, or whatever. Because those, those are the heralds. He said once the heralds left, they left the Radiance in charge. Because I think mm. when those two guys were talking, they said they were going to leave the Radiance. Like, they're like yeah. they don't need us. They've got the Radiance. But just so. like Kaladin is confused, I think there's some confusion about who's who in their actual history. Mm. Well, you guys Kali. did well, did yes. think the names that we were given for the Heralds were pretty close to the names of those two guys we saw. Yeah, uh, that's, that, that's that's kind of where that came from. That's 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 the assumptions I run off. But yeah, yeah, I, which I which what you're saying makes complete sense. But like at the same time, I wonder if like they're even confused about it. Like after forty five hundred years, these, right? They've named yeah. these people these things, and they weren't actually those things. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So things to keep track of: we have heralds, and we have radiance, and we have void bringers. Well, in keeping with like you know, Joe like Joe said, he uh, looked at the next page of the next part and saw the names. I uh, did what I've done before and read the back of the book. Uh, yes, I was actually wanted to discuss the back of the book today. Somebody brought it up in an email. So, okay. Well, I'll well, wait till we get there. Yeah, then, but... keep that thought, and we will get there a- after mm. we do, do the chapters. Because some, I have somebody... not uh, looked at the back of the book because I don't oh, have I'll... a back of a book. I'll say I've looked at the back of 
part one of the book. So all the Stormlight yeah. books, the editions we have are split in half. So I've read the back of part of half one. I wonder. I have not read the back of half two because presumably I, I, that might have spoilers for half one. When we get when we get to the discussion, I may just pull up the back of the book and read it, and then that way everyone's on the same page because it's not like it's super long. Uh, uh, but yes, sorry. But you can see the effect that washing your hands have on rot spren, even if death spren cannot be seen. So, and and later it says that like lister oil scares away rot spren even more. So just imagine if like in our history you could tell if like an injury was gonna you know, get infected or whatever by you see these little things showing up, these little spren, and then you can tell if something will prevent that because if you use it, you see the spren go away. That would be so much easier than like the 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 just testing out stuff and seeing, you know, if the person dies or not. That's yeah, that sounds incredibly useful. I was thinking a lot about spren this like this section and like, all right, which what shard is responsible for this stuff? So I'm like, mm-hmm. I wonder if there was a shard for abstraction. It's just like the, the artsy, fartsy shard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like, just making weird shit that like explains why you've got all the bizarre stuff going on in this world that's so different to the others. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'd buy it. Because, yeah, there's just some, it's some really weird, yeah. Well, everything is different. <laughs> sure. You got like, crab dogs uh, and crab cows or horses or whatever. And... Just like, it was like, yeah, you've got this one shard that was really into mm. crabs as a kid. Uh, really into crustaceans in general because yeah. of the chill. Yep. And then, you know, shows up shows up to shard reunions every so often. They were just like, hey, abstraction, has the crabs? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, they itch. Thanks for asking. <laughs> they discovered uh, from, I think it was from, there's always another podcast this week, that there's a term called carcinization, which is, uh, it, 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 it's used for the convergent evolution that you see where, on Earth at least, crabs like evolution keeps producing crabs there's like at least five different sorts of quote-unquote crabs that evolved independently of each other to have similar body structures so apparently evolution has decided that crab is a a really efficient body form interesting yeah right i had not heard of that and then i went and read a bunch about it and i was like wow okay um video videos of uh like crabs that start swimming it looks seriously it looked like a fucking helicopter taken off <laughs> i don't think i've seen that yeah so yes they uh they treat this young woman her name is sani they treat her hand kaladin gets can't use the knife the knives of course like that'll be it'll be years of training before he's good enough for that but he does stuff like holding sinew and stuff while his dad sews things together which i'm just like geez i when i was 10 I'd, i would not have been able to handle this and they have to they have to get rid of the third finger. It is too badly damaged. And Kaladin thinks like, uh, you know, that they did the most that could be done here. They saved four of her fingers, but her parents aren't going to see it that way. They're going to be upset that their beautiful daughter now has a disfigured hand. That's the way it always happens. Terror at the initial wound and then anger at Liren's inability to work wonders. But they'd make a small donation because they were good people. And Cal's family, his parents, him and his younger brother, Tien, would continue to be able to eat. So, hey, we at least know who Tien is now, other than Dragon Ball Guy. <laughs> yeah, not Tien Shinhan. Could be Tien Shinhan, I suppose. But, uh, we, I mean, uh, we don't know if d- he has family. Doubtful. Doubtful. Say, do we know Cal- Kaladin's last name yet? No. Uh, uh, does he have one? Maybe not. Have just heard any last Kaladin, names? They, they, what's the title that he had in the army? Stormblessed. Stormblessed. 
Oh, yeah. I guess, like, we know, like, Jasna or Yasna Colon, like, her family, at least, we've heard a last name. And Shalon, we've heard a last name for. Yeah, So yeah. people have might last be, names. Okay. Might, might be a nobility thing, because uh, Kaladin's a d- uh, Dark Eyes, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he is. That's true. Good point. Yeah, maybe maybe those are, like, house names, and so if you're a noble, if mm-hmm. you're in a noble house, you get the last name. That's if you're yeah. a Dark Eyes, you're just, like, a snow or a summer or whatever. <laughs> And his dad tells him, you still need to work on those nerves of yours. It's good to care, but caring like anything else can be a problem if it inter- interferes with your ability ability to perform surgery. Or your agility. <laughs> it's uh, like performing surgery, most important thing in the world. Well, if you want your son to be a surgeon, yeah, I would guess that yeah. it would be. And he's like, where were you? Why were you late? And Kaladin was like, yeah, me and Tien were watching this older boy. His dad started training him in the quarterstaff. Jam's father was a soldier in Bright Lord Amaram's army. Hey, we, we, we've heard of Am- Amaram in his army before. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> he, sold, he sold Kaladin into slavery. Yep. And Liren's like, yeah, I know all about Jam's father. I've had to operate on that lame leg of his three times now, a gift of his glorious time as a soldier. And I like Cal's like, hey, we need soldiers, Dad. Do you want our borders violated by the Thalans? He's like, Thalana is an island kingdom? They don't actually share a border with us? <laughs> it's like, you're 10. Shut up. <laughs> Stop they hating could, on New Zealand. They could attack from the sea. His dad's like, look, everyone I've met has tried to swindle me, but that's uh, not really the same thing as invading. They're mostly tradesmen and merchants. And Kaladin's like, oh, damn it. I, I, I keep forgetting that my dad actually knows what he's talking about instead of, like, us kids in the village and, like, making stuff up, basically. And Kaladin, you know, he's just like, so, being a soldier is important. Also, you know, that's how you get stories told about you. Who tells stories about surgeons for the Herald's sake? And Liren's like, well, the children of the men and women whose lives we save. That's who tells stories about surgeons. And Calvin's like, oh, OK, sorry. And I, I like, you know, he do, he says this thing where there's two kinds of people. And Calvin's like, but what about the people who protect and defend, who save lives by taking lives? And I love his response. Like, that's like trying to stop a storm by blowing harder. Ridiculous. You can't protect by killing. I don't know that I agree with him, but I like that uh, that metaphor or it's a simile, I guess. And he, his dad quizzes him on some medical stuff and just and goes, like, you've learned in months what it took me years to learn. Like, you could be an amazing surgeon. I'm, I want to save money, and when you're 16, I want to send you to Carbranth to train with the real surgeons. Don't dream the small dreams of other men. Our grandfathers worked and brought us to the second non so that we could have full citizenship and the right of travel. So I guess not all uh, dark eyes can travel. It's a, it's a very feudal hmm. sort of system here. Yeah. Don't waste that on killing. And Cal hesitates, but then he's like, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, so something in the intervening nine years happens to uh, change his mind back to being a soldier, since that is where we meet Kaladin in the army. The last actual chapter we have is called Droplets. And if you look at the face on on, on the arch on this one, it, the guy's like wearing a crown or has spiky hair. Or I don't know what he's doing, but he's uh, he's got something interesting going on. The epigraph is three of 16 ruled, but now the broken one reigns. A cut purse with a waste with the wasting sickness is who said this one. So that's uh, potentially interesting for us. So we cut back to Kaladin. It's the same evening after the high storm, after Sil has left. And I like they get one blanket. So you can either use it to lay on or you can use it to cover yourself. You cannot do both. That is just it's just worse and worse being a bridgeman, I have to say. Just that's, that just seems yeah. unnecessary, right? Mm-hmm. Again, like this might be the lowest of the low, but you still need these people. Yeah. Like, wh- wh- why are you gonna like 
make them catch their death of cold if uh, you know, they're not going to run bridges while they're doing while they're like, you know, that sick. Yeah. Uh, so we're at the we're at like the tail end of the high storm. He goes out about as early as it's safe to go out, he says, an hour or so before the riddens, the end of the storm. And so he goes out and sees that uh, Gaz is already out there. I do. I like that. He hated having a beard, particularly the way the whiskers itched at the corners of his mouth. Beards were like pups. boys dreamed what the day they'd get one, never realizing how annoying they could be. This sounds like Brandon doesn't like facial hair is what it sounds like. Uh, He's grown a beard before, but uh, maybe not. He likes he doesn't like the it doesn't mean he likes the way it feels. It's true. I I, I did that for research. (laughs) (laughs) So he would know to write this. Uh, I do like the comparison to Axehound pups, given that we learn more about Axehounds in the next uh, little bit. And so, yeah, Gaz is out here huddled in a hollow between two of the barracks. He'd fastened a small basket on the leeward wall of one of the barracks and a glowing light came from within. So he left his spheres out in the storm and came out early to retrieve them. So leaving your spheres out was a risk because even a sheltered basket could be torn free. And some people believe that the shades of the lost radiance haunted the storm, stealing spheres. And Calvin's like, maybe that's true, but during my time in the army, I knew more than one guy got, who got wounded sneaking out during the middle of a storm to try to steal spheres. So probably that's what's going on. Seems but the thing, a lot more likely. But the thing was, this is how you infuse spheres. You have to leave the, the spheres, you know, the, the money, out in the storm, and they get infused with stormlight, and that's how they glow. If you don't leave them out, they stop glowing. And we heard before that a done sphere is often, uh, you know, looked at suspiciously. Sometimes you got to bring someone in to make sure it's real, that you're not trying to pass a counterfeit. I've been playing a lot of Spirit Fairer lately, and this just reminded me of like the that that mini game you can play where you have to like get lightning in a bottle and it gives you like the orb money. I don't think I've played that. Good game. Uh, mm-hmm. I got it for five bucks. What's it called? Spirit Fairer. Oh, yeah. Never heard that one. Came out in 2020, I think. Hmm. I've been playing a lot of Age of Empires because it's on Game Pass. Age of Empires 2, specifically. Nice. Look up Spirit Pharaoh. I'll say this is Spirit Pharaoh. It made me cry like a motherfucker. It's very pretty looking. We'll give it that. I I do like when I search for Spirit Pharaoh and I go to images. The first many images are not of that game, but they are, in fact, of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. (laughs) Because there is a Yu-Gi-Oh card called... Spirit of the Pharaoh, and also one called Pharaoh Spirit. So, <laughs> yeah, not Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Yeah, that's. I, I think I, uh, I, I think I misheard you and I typed it wrong because there is Spirit uh, Pharaoh. That that is one of the first results that comes up. But yeah, okay. Wait, autocorrects like the fuck? Do you mean this? Oh gosh, I've I've, I've been playing Star Trek Infinite lately because it's uh, that came out recently, and it, it's very much like Civilization, but you know Star Trek. I think you meant Age of Empires. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that much like Age of Empires. It is like Civilization. It's that sort of game. I think you meant Age of Empires. You said Age of Empires, but that's not you what said I Civilization meant. <laughs> is, is his point. No, I I know. I wanted him to say Age of Empires. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. It's not like Age of Empires. That's why. I'm... <laughs> but but it could be. I kind of wish it was a little more because one thing good about Age of Empires is the battling is always good, and the battling is not great in this game. Mm. But anyways, um, so Gaz is like, why are you out here? I'll have you strung up if you've stolen anyone's spheres. Because obviously, if 
if he's so paranoid about his fears that he's out here before it's really even safe in the storm to make sure they're okay, then he probably is going to suspect that that's what Kaladin's after. And Kaladin just ignores him. And he's like, I'll have you strung up. Don't think you can run away. I'm going to the honor castle. And Gas is like, oh, okay. And then he goes, Lordling. And Kaladin turns and you, you have a moment where you're like, oh, maybe he'll say something like, you know, halfway decent to the guy about to kill himself. What he says is, leave the sandals and vest. I don't want to have to send someone down there to fetch him. Because fucking Gary, man. Fucking Gary. <laughs> is his last name? Oak? Uh, Gary Oak. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gare Bear. Like when, he, when he lost the Pokemon League, he fell on hard times and had to take a job running a bridge crew. With only one eye. Yeah, no, it's, that's hard times. Uh, many bridgemen had trouble making decisions. The same happened to men who were shocked by battle. Kaladin had felt those effects himself, but apparently deciding to do this finally, it actually, actually makes him feel better. He's made a decision. It, it's finally over. We do have him saying the, these chasms are not natural, which Jamie theorized that maybe they'd been soul cast or something. But he's like, there's no way that this is natural. This one starts narrow, but as it runs east, it grows wider and deeper really quickly. I just got Cortana in my head going, this cave is not a natural formation. <laughs> And there's rope ladders here because sometimes they send bridgemen down there to salvage from the corpses that have fallen into the chasms during bridge runs. So that's delightful. And so he sits out here for a bit, just thinking about all of this, all, everything that's happened. He even, he even thinks about, like, he sees the plants lapping up the rainwater. And he's like, yes, yeah, storm wardens in Kolinar and Vedinar have proven that plants given stormwater did better than those given lake or river water. Why was it that the scientists were always so excited to discover facts that farmers had known for generations? It's it's, it's funny because it's true. That does happen. Science! Yeah, that happens. You were right, Father. You can't stop a storm by blowing harder. You can't save men by killing others. We should all become surgeons. Yeah. And uh, it's it says that uh, once his life had been simple, before he lost his brother, before he'd been betrayed in Amaram's army. So he was betrayed. That may be more information than we had before. I don't know. What did Sen do? <laughs> it was that kid, that Sen. Uh, and he's about to jump or step off the edge when all of a sudden something calls out his name. And here comes Syl back through the rain. And she has brought him a leaf, a black bane leaf. He's like, what is this? She's like, damn, these things are heavy. I brought it for you. And it's, he, he's like, why did you bring this to me? And it, he says it harshly. And she's like, oh, I mean, I thought... You kept those other leaves so carefully, and then you lost them when you tried to help that man in the slave cages. I thought it would make you happy to have another one. It's just, it's it's kind of adorable that she's just like, you know, you were happy or happier when you had these, so I brought them for you. The things that you were saving to potentially kill yourself. She just doesn't know that part of it. And then she's like, oh man, you don't like them? I flew so far, I almost forgot myself, but I came back. And so he says, he's like, why you care? And she's like, oh, I do. I remember back in the army, you always would find those young, untrained men and protect them. I remember their gratitude. It's what drew me in the first place. You helped them. And he's just like, no, everything I touch withers and dies. Like, I am I'm a curse. Everyone is better off without me. And she's like, well, you could help the men in the bridge crew. And he's like, no, it's too late. We're, they're dead. We're all dead. There's no way out. And she's like, we're so screwed, then, man. We're <laughs> screwed. Game over. She's, she's just like, well, then, you know, if 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 you're all already dead, then. It can't hurt to try, can it? Like, you can't fail them again because they're already screwed. Like, the worst that you can fail them is they will be back where they are currently. So why not give it a shot? One more try, please. And that finally does it. He's like, you know, she's right. 
I, I can't get worse. We, I mean, we've said that about his life before. It can't get worse. But it's like he's like, it can't get worse than where we are now. So why not? One more try. He goes back and Gaz is still the only one hanging out. So he, he, he walks up to Gaz and Gaz is like, oh, you're too much of a coward, huh? Well, don't think I'm giving back. I assume it was he was going to mention the, the vest and the shoes. He's like, you're going to have to go without them again. But Kaladin's not here for it anymore. He just grabs him by the neck and sweeps his legs out from under him and slams him into the ground. And he's like, the world just changed. I died down at that chasm. And now you've got my vengeful spirit to deal with. And Gaz is looking for help. But there's no help because no one is crazy enough to be out in the storm this early. We're going to start over, you and I. And I want you to understand something. I'm already dead. You can't hurt me, understand? And so Kaladin declares that he is going to be the bridge leader. Their last bridge leader just died anyway, so, it, 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 you know, there's an opening. And he's the most experienced one left. So, And Gaz nods, and he's like, good, you learn quickly. Like, Kaladin is all of a sudden intimidating as hell. And so he tells Gaz that um, he's going to start taking his his pay. He wants it paid out to him instead of paid towards his slave debt. But Gaz gets to keep 20%. One in every five marks Gaz can keep for your efforts. Your efforts in staying the damnation out of my way, understand? And Gaz is like, yeah, okay, I, I got it, man. And so he leaves him out there, and uh, he's like, it's, that's not much money, but anyone willing to risk going out in the middle of a high storm to protect his fears cares a lot about the money, so maybe it'll be enough. And so Kaladin goes in to the barracks, and he goes up to the first guy, and he's like, hey, what's your name? The guy's like, screw you. He, yeah, he says storm off, technically. Yeah. Kaladin, Smoke you! That's what I heard. <laughs> One of what? my favorite movie moments ever. That's uh from the fifth element there, Dak. Yeah. Oh. Smoke you. With the hand motion. Yeah. And then Bruce <laughs> Willis is just like, uh. Bad idea. Bad move. Bad, idea. Bad move. Was that a Chris Tucker line? No, no that was like a the, random the freaky extra... guy who lives next door to him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't... Extra guy. I, don't remember, I don't remember that bit. I think I repressed a lot of that movie because of Chris Tucker. I think it's the same guy who like tries to rob him earlier. Yeah, you were correct. So I, I don't know if, if like since he gets two scenes with lots of dialogue, I don't know that I could call him random extra. But well, I'm sure they gave him those extra scenes because if you've got dialogue, you're in SAG anyway. So like they probably yeah. had, were already paying him for a day's work, so he probably did all his stuff in one day. But it really is like maybe my favorite movie and uh, my favorite moment in that movie. It's just so hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> and so Colin is like, look. Either you can just tell me your name and I'll go away, or I can keep bugging you. And eventually I'll pull you out into the storm and hang you over the chasm by one leg until you tell me. And the guy says, Teft. My name is Teft. He's like, yeah, that wasn't so hard. I'm Kaladin, your bridge leader. And then he moves on to the next guy. <laughs> Teft, the old dog. <laughs> okay. Simpsons thing. She never never forgave him after that talk with President Teft. <laughs> Teft, the old dog. Oh, okay. Teft. I was not thinking Teft when you... <laughs> I don't know anything about President Toft other than other than his name. Uh, he, he was really that. large. He got That's stuck in a bathtub. Oh, that was he's, that guy. Yeah. yeah, he's also one of the only presidents that like became a, like a congressman or a senator after he was president. Was it? I thought Taft didn't he? Wasn't that the Supreme Court? Hold on. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he became a Supreme Court justice. I just know like he's one of he's one of the few ones that like stayed active in politics and like political service after yep. he was Most president. Of them don't. He like, he became the 10th chief justice of the Supreme Court. There you Court. go. The main thing I remember about him is that I read uh, I, I did reports on like Theodore Roosevelt and Taft was like the guy handpicked by Roosevelt to like continue his kind of legacy. 
Mm-hmm. And then Roosevelt was horribly disappointed with the way the Taft took things. And that's why he goes and like tries to run for president again. Yeah. Later. With the, in the bull moose party. Yep. And they splits the vote between him and Taft. And that's how Woodrow Wilson got in. Yep. Anyway, there's, there, there's our American there's some, history. Moment. Yeah, I was about to say, there's some American history for you folks. Hope you enjoyed. Yeah. Most, uh, most American people don't even know the name of the, uh, of the of uh, a president older than themselves. So. <laughs> I mean, most people don't have a president who's younger than themselves. You can't be president until you're like 35. I meant like who served before they were born. Oh, okay. Like they don't this. they don't know the names of any presidents that weren't serving as president while they were while they were alive. I don't know. Like even without the Simpsons education that I got, like I still knew about Lincoln. Sure. Who doesn't know Lincoln or Washington? And there's a great Jonathan Colton song out there that will help you learn all the presidents if you want. Well, all of them up to W, I think, is the last one. I always ask, you know, who's – I always ask, like, people – No. I always ask ask people, like, everybody knows who the first president is. Do you know who the second one is? And most people do not. Oh, that's sad. Yep. It's it's John Adams. Spoiler. Yep. And the third president Jefferson. Jefferson. Jefferson no, he's the third, third president. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, Monroe, and then Adams again. Adams again. It's not the son of Adams. Yep. <laughs> John Quincy Adams. Yeah. Another one of my favorite Simpsons lines is when Grandpa's talking about getting spanked by presidents, and he says, Grover Cleveland spanked me on two non-consecutive occasions. <laughs> Classic joke. That is a good joke. Oh my God. This has been the president segment brought to you by the Sandra Lynch podcast. That was, that was the day I learned that Grover is actually a real name and not something they made up for the Sesame Street guy. <laughs> right. Apparently once upon a time, it was a fairly popular name. And I think, uh, I think Sesame Street may have contributed to the downfall of that name. Same with Kermit. Like same, Teddy Roosevelt had a, a kid named Kermit. Yeah. Anyway. Kermit, Kermit the frog. Is Should we just anyway, start a podcast about presidents? Is that like, is that where we're going? <laughs> I can okay guarantee you I would be less than helpful for that podcast. <laughs> well, no, like that in that case, you would be the newbie and, and Jada and I <laughs> oh, would God, be taking presidents. you through the president. Dak would, would be so miserable. Almost, <laughs> I mean, think, it would be a short-lived podcast. We'd only have 40-something <laughs> episodes because we'd do a president in each one. Who do I know that's Elmo? Elmo is the name of Sam Jackson's character from the movie – uh, well, depending on where you saw the movie, it was the 51st state in like Europe, I think, and it was Formula 51 in the U.S. Oh yeah, Formula 51. Yeah, the dogs bollocks. bollocks. <laughs> it's like wait, so so bollocks is bad, but the dogs bollocks is good. Yeah, now you got it. Yeah, I like that guy. He's Mr. Gold. He's Mr. And Gold. Also, yeah, uh, he was in uh, Train Spotting. Oh my gosh, we we've gone so far from. What are we talking spot. about this week? Yeah, what are, what, what were we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Where am I? Where are you, people? What I, I told you, Jamie-less, Jamie-less episode. This is what it leads to. <laughs> we have no anchor. Um, so I, I do like Kaladin's bit of the conversation where he's like, rest up. We're going to have a hard day tomorrow. And he's like, well, how do you know? Because we're bridge men. Every day is hard. And he's like, hey, yeah, Kelek knows that's true. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> it's such a good joke, but also a bad joke. It's like. Because it's, it's true. It's, yeah. Right. But it's like. It's such a cool character moment because it's like what that guy needed to hear. Like it yeah. brought some levity to his life. And so, yeah, Kaladin feels better now because he's taken on some responsibility. He has a purpose. He's going to find a way to protect these men. And that's the end of part one. 
keep then we go... these men alive if it kills me, which it probably will, because we're <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It'll kill a lot of us, probably, to be fair. The interludes. We have three interludes. First is Ishik. And Ishik, I love Ishik. He's just a relaxed dude. He seems like a good bloke. He lives on the Pure Lake, which you can find on the map if you care to look. It is a very large body of water. I'm but ashamed is... how long it took me to find it there. <laughs> I know, because it's so huge in the middle of the map, right? But you're like, oh, that that can't be the Pure Lake. It, uh, it honestly, his, his train of thought and the fact that he kept saying Pure Lake, there's an episode of The Office where Jim Carrey has a very, like, bit part where he's playing a guy applying for the position of manager, but he keeps, he, he's like on vacation in the Finger Lakes with his family, and he keeps talking about how he's got to get back there because his family doesn't know that he like left for this interview. He's like, <laughs> I, I should get back. They'll be worried about me. But he kept saying Finger Lakes over and over, and this guy kept saying Pure Lake over and over in his head. It just made me, made me giggle. The Pure Lake is an interesting body of water to me because it is so enormously huge. It's like as big as some of the countries on this map. But for the most part, it like doesn't even come up to your knees as you're walking through it. It's just like an <laughs> enormous, shallow, like almost ocean. Yeah, right. So, you can go swimming at the beach and there's no sharks. <laughs> yeah, almost to the point of like the way this guy talks about it. And I guess their culture or their culture is like it's its own like country almost. It's like people live in the Pure Lake. They live a very particular way in the Pure Lake, at least from this guy's perspective. It's like this is how we do things here. These people don't even he's like laughing at them because they don't want to get wet. It's like, nah, you got to get wet. You're you're in a, a village <laughs> it's, it's in the healthy. middle of a fucking lake. You go and get wet. Yeah. It's like you, and you, you, you want to get wet. That's the charm of the pure lake. Also, they wear shirts. And he's like, you get sick, not like getting enough sunlight on your skin. Why are you going to wear a shirt? Yeah. What are you doing that for? And so Ishik is a fisherman on the pure lake. And he just he goes around trying to get fish in his buckets. Does he just fucking Miyagi the fish, like just catch him with his hand? Or did I imagine that? I, I, I don't think it I don't think it tells us how he catches the fish. It doesn't say he's carrying like poles or anything. So I don't know Yeah, if it's if it's that shallow. He probably has a bucket. Well, he has several so he has buckets fish in a bucket. But, yeah, he keeps the fish in his buckets. So I was like, well, you can't use the buckets to fish and then also keep the fish in there. Or they'd get out when you try to catch another one. So I don't know. But yeah, bucket. Yeah, I mean, it's shallow water. Does it not say at the beginning that he has a pole? Like at the very beginning? Oh, oh, yep, nope. It says his pole with the buckets on each end. So yeah, uh, I guess he uses a fishing pole. So he has, well, he has a pole with a bucket. So like, does he use the pole and the bucket to fish it out? Because it sounds like it's almost like a yoke thing. I just pictured it that like he, when he's not using the pole to fish, he's got the buckets hanging off it because it's easier that way. But maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't know. He 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 lives by being a fisherman. He's caught five fish today. <laughs> Four he's a mysterious guy, this not. Ishik. He's an enigma. <laughs> it's, it's funny because he's like the absolute op- opposite of yeah. enigma. He is exactly what you see. <laughs> That's the joke. Uh, he's, he, but he's coming up to a town where he's going to meet up with some foreigners. And like he passes another guy who's on a raft and they know each other. And he's like, hey, how's it going? How's fishing? The guy says, and he's terrible. Von Macaque has blighted me right good today. And you lost a shirt while washing. Ah, That's the way of things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I came in and just watched it. He's like, ah, <laughs> in the fourth, in the shallow water. Yeah, my yeah right. Just, it's like, there there, there can't be like a, a, a really fast current. <laughs> so he's just like, it just falls in the water and starts to go away slowly. And he's like, nah, it's gone. I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the fish got it. Maybe. <laughs> just oh, that's away. it. Yeah. He's like, yep. he's oh. like, 
he, he's like, eh, my wife made that shirt. I don't really like it anyway. Yes, uh, I lost it, air quotes. <laughs> I lost it. I don't know how right. it struck you guys before the actual explanation, but like in his internal monologue, he's always talking about new relic. But when he talks out loud, he's talking about Von Macaque. And so it, it's it was bizarre to me until the explanation. And then it was like, oh, OK. Yeah, like I didn't know what was going on. So I was just like, huh, this guy's got a weird way of speaking. I almost <laughs> thought I almost honestly thought that it was like a turn of phrase. He kept saying that I was just unfamiliar uh, with. Yeah. But then when it's explained, it made more sense. Although by made more sense, I mean that he explained it in his own way, but it still didn't make any sense. <laughs> well, religious beliefs can be like that. Sure, I guess. Uh, I There is one interesting note that uh, is really intriguing to me is that the Pure Lake somehow like see, knows when a high storm is coming and drains away so that he can just like, you know, find a place to shove his raft in and protect himself from the high storms without having to be inside. So that like, is incredibly weird. Like this whole thing just dries up. Yeah. 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 Just another like, I mean, for me, it's just like another instance of. Like the the world, the whole world is like alive. It's just yeah, a, yeah, it's a mm. weird thing. And it's like I know I'm jumping ahead, but it's like in the next in the next one when her brother like is thinking about how the grass they planted is specifically more timid. And I'm like, wait, so there's like varying degrees of personality among grass and you choose the one that suits your needs. Like, that's weird. It's it's be a professional to grass breeder. Yeah. So he's going to the home of someone named Mabe, whose uh, her house is basically the closest thing this place has to an inn. So that's where his foreigners are waiting for him. Mm. And she's fixing up some soup and we find out she's been trying to bait him to wed her for years on account of her fine cooking. Maybe someday he'll let her catch him. So the foreigners are sitting at the one special table in the place that like has footrests so you can get your feet up out of the water. And he's like, oh, geez, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> and uh good fishing she asked and he says ah terrible shirts and they keep their feet dry fucking freaks yeah weirdos right and she says your soup is free today ishik to make up for von macaque's cursing and so they have he's like oh now he owes her one enough bowls and he would be forced to wed her so they have a very stringent policy on this owing people thing. <laughs> it's like okay that's 20 bowls you gotta marry me now oh, damn <laughs> This is the weird, weirdest punch card system ever. Yeah. Know, right? <laughs> loyalty, <laughs> loyalty programs. Yeah, literally, she hands him a card and it's got like a little punch out. It's like, and the card says, marry me. <laughs> That's number 10. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says that there's a coal grill in the bucket for you. Caught it early this morning. It's a, apparently a very, in, 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 in italics, very lucky fish. Cured aching joints for a month after you ate it, and sometimes let you see when friends were going to visit by letting you read the shapes of the clouds. Fuck this cloud reading. I want this uh, makes you makes your joints stop aching. Fish, like, yeah. give me some of that. And this would this one fish is enough for two weeks of soup for her, and that will put her in debt to him. And she says, "Von Macaque, I you that is one all right. How am I ever going to catch you, man?" He goes, "I'm a fisher, Mave. Hard to catch a fisher, you know that. <laughs> this this like weird flirting is just hilarious to me." So. Yeah, so that like, was probably my favorite line of the whole interlude. It's like, I'm a fisher. Hard to catch, you know? Like, so what's what's the deal here? So, like, oh, no. She's like, if I if I have too many bowls, I have to marry her. But if she has too many of my fish, she has to marry me. Um, 
Wait, yeah, I don't know it? what what, what happens the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I would assume it's like he can just put her off longer without being impolite because it seems like there's a certain amount of politeness to it. He's like, yeah, I mean, if if I if she does me too many favors, I'm gonna have to marry her just to be polite. So I guess <laughs> like if I do enough favors for her, then I can politely refuse to marry her. Uh, okay, so yes, we meet the strangers, the guys that I told you to pay attention to last time. So who do we got? We got three guys. Yep, two of them dark skinned. Uh-huh. Uh, he says they're Makabaki, though the strangest Makabaki he'd ever seen. Uh, I don't know what Makabaki means, but I assume it's racist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of them is completely bald and kind of small. And the other one is taller with short, dark hair, lean muscles, broad shoulders. And he calls them grump and blunt in his head. The third one is lighter skinned, although he says like an Alethi, so it's still still tan. But he doesn't seem quite right either. The eyes are the wrong shape. And I didn't mention that when I was describing to you, like, kind of what a lethe look like. They also have uh, the specific eye shape that technically I think is called an epicanthic fold. And so, like, that's what a lethe generally look like. So that's why he's like, the eyes look not quite right here. Ishik calls the third guy thinker. And he knows, he's like, I wonder how he got that scar on his scalp. Who do we know that got cut on the head? You wonder how I got these scars? (laughs) And so Blunt is just like, you're late. And Ishik's like, well, I mean, isn't it Warly Day? yeah but we're supposed to meet at noon understand and he's like i mean it's it's close to that like geez who pays attention to the hour foreigners man (laughs) and and, uh mabe comes over and brings him in addition to the the soup that she's given him here's a soft cloth napkin and a nice cup of sweet wine to try to balance that fish out (laughs) as quickly as possible and so these guys as we find out have been paying ishik to look for hoid doesn't, we, we don't find out his name for a little while in the chapter, but that's what it is. They've had him – He as he makes his rounds of various towns doing his fishing over the past month, he's been asking about this guy that they're looking for. And he's like, nobody has seen him. And Blunt is not – he's like, we've been paying you for five months, and we have no results. And he's like, well, I don't know what you want me to tell you. You want to make stuff up? Von McCacke would like me to do that. And they're like, well, no, we just want the truth. And like, well, that's what I gave you. I gave you the truth. You swear it by New Relic, that god of yours? And he's like, what? Shut up. Are you stupid? And Grump's like, but he's your god, understand? Is his name holy, not to be spoken? And he's like, geez, foreigners are idiots. Yes, New Rollick was their god, but you had to pretend that his younger, spiteful brother, Avun Macaque, was his god, or else he'd get mad. It's like, what? <laughs> so, like, Vun, your god can't hear your thoughts, so you have to pretend to, to yeah. that the other god is your god? But won't that make the other god mad? I don't, I don't know. Well, no, because apparently if you go into the Holy Grotto, there it's safe to, like, speak the truth. Oh, so New gotcha. Relic knows. Yeah. He's like, no, I swear by Vun Macaque, may he watch over me and curse me as he pleases. No foreigner like this one you mentioned with white hair, clever tongue, and an arrow-like face has been seen. Like, <gasps> he dyes his hair sometimes. He wears disguises. And he's like, no, no. I mean, I've asked I've asked about what the names that you gave me. Maybe I could find you a fish that could locate him. But a stumpy court could do it. It might take me a while. And Blunt is like, I mean, hey, there might be something to these fish. And Grump says, superstition. You always look for superstition, Vow. And Ishik says that Vow is not that guy's real name. He's pretty sure they all use fake names. That's why he makes up names, because if they're going to make fake names, he'll make fake names too. Sure. And Blunt says, and you, Tamu, we can't pontificate our way to. And Thinker's like, guys, hold on. And then they start talking in a different language, so he can't understand what they're saying. And we also get that. Uh, as he, he goes to lots of places fishing, so he has been searching as he does his thing. One of the reasons he doesn't want to settle down is because if you want to catch the real good fish, you got to move around. 
And this is where he's like, I don't even know why they're looking for that for this Hoyd guy, whoever he is. Foreigners are always looking for things they can't have. Eventually, they they finish their discussion. They give him some more money, some more instructions, and then they start to leave. And Grump is the last one out. And he is like, where are you, Romer? What a fool's quest this is. And then adds in his own tongue, Alavanta Kamalu Kayana. And that's the end of the chapter. So here we go. Well, let's pause. Who are these three guys? You have seen all three of them before or each huh. of them before, I should say. So I'm I'm pretty sure I know one of them. The other one, I'm guessing based on something Data told us a long time ago. But the one I'm pretty sure of is I'm pretty sure the muscular, dark skinned dude. Just from his description, I think it might be Bayon from White Sand. OK. And that's purely based on his description. Because we, I don't know that we've ever had a character that was described physically that way, hmm. other than Bayon. But I might All be right. wrong. I don't know. I don't know who. What's what's his name? Grump. I don't know who that is. Okay. I have no idea. But then my other guess, just based on something you told us a really long time ago when we were in the first era of Mistborn, is you said Demu was one of the people that is in another book. And so I'm going to guess that the third guy, the thinker guy, is Demu. Okay, interesting. Let's let's let I, put his in before we. I don't know, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I I'm not sure either. I was trying to identify. I'm I'm basically running off the lost metal because it's the only the only one I know where people have definitively traveled worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was wondering if Ishik was um because this is before Era Two, isn't it? Yeah. I was wondering if uh, Ishik might be. Not not Ishik, sorry, Thinker. Thinker might be um Crystal Guy, whose name escapes me. Oh yeah, yeah. The um oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking about um I, I don't remember his name offhand either. Yeah, the guy whose book like his book series hasn't been written, but yeah. yeah. And he made like that crystal golem to fight the bad guys. I I agree that I think Blunt is Bayon. Not just from description, but also just the ma- like the manner of his talking and the, the sort of okay. the sort of things he says sound very very much like Bayon. I also have no fucking idea on Grump. Twin Soul was the guy. Was the guy's code Twin name. Twin Soul. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was his code name. Oh, this is actually kind of. I, I had not seen. I think this is a bit of art that somebody must have done. I hadn't seen this picture of Twin Soul making glasses before. I'm going to share with you because it's kind of cool. Ooh. Okay. Interesting. Uh, it, I, I I will I will say before the I keep forgetting about White Sand. Um. Mm-hmm. So before that, I keep thinking of. Oh. Okay. Maybe not then. And hold on, here's here's a, a picture of this bit too. This is some cool art. Nice. Okay, maybe n- not then because uh, if that is him, he got very old between these two. Where he was he was described as a real old it. man in in the was he? Metal. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's, so... it's in the Skype chat, Joe. Sorry. Yeah, she was. Uh, she, he, oh, I can't see the Skype chat. Yeah, she um, was like worried about bringing him along because right, he was so yeah, old. She thought she he'd was, be hurt. Oh, I'd forgotten worried. that. For some... Yeah, he All was right. doddering. All right, I'm probably hopelessly wrong then. I'd forgotten about that. Maybe I was so impressed by his uh, abilities, I forgot that he was an old man. Okay, never mind. I, and yeah, I will say, bef- I, I forgot about White Sand completely, and I was trying to think: is the is the tall is uh, is Gr- like Grump maybe Galadon from Elantris? But no, that doesn't seem to fit. I don't think. And Galadon was was a decent bloke, was a decent sized bloke. He wasn't um like you know they say, but they say Blunt is the taller one, so Grump is the smaller one. So I'm like, oh, Gal- Galadon was fairly big. I can't be him. Like the bald head made me think of Elantris, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, and I like Elantris is so hard for me to remember. Like, I didn't even remember. Did they get like their nor- their normal skin color back after they uh, after well, everything they, got fixed? No, I think they still look different. They 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 came back. They were still all bald, but they came back as the white glowy style. But I think they can turn oh, that okay. off when they need to. Well, yeah. Well, because if you're on a different planet, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I feel like. I feel like in in the Lost Metal, when Shy becomes an Elantrian, she also like looks all different and glowy skin. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, here I will. I, I will not make you guys. Ooh, you're gonna have no ideas. Yes, I, I will tell you. It's interesting to me because you guys both did not figure out what most people generally agree is the easiest one to pick out of the group. Oh, okay. Which uh, which is that which is Grump. Oh, Grump. Oh. Partially because Grump does most of the talking. But also because the the way he talks is distinct. So one one thing to think about is that it's an I suspect these guys are using connection to speak the local language. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And so yeah. some something that they might be saying in their language might come across, you know, as oh. like literally translated. I think I got it. Yeah, Dak, I think your 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 hunch was right. It is Galadon because he's like he's like you see instead of like Colo. Oh, yeah. Grump ends a whole lot of sentences with understand. Yeah, understand. That's what it is. Understand. But Fine. also, sorry, good. Was I right? Yes, because oh also, my god, the very nice. last thing he says when it says he says it in his own tongue, he yeah. says Alavanta Kamalu Kayana. The first two words, I don't think we know. Kayana is another word that we heard Galadon say. It means crazy. Oh, I don't remember that the slightest. I don't remember that. Yeah. He doesn't say it nearly as often as Colo. Kind of but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, and, yeah. yeah, it was like, it was like you know, years ago now. That's cool that we kind of serendipitously picked Colo for our, like, sign-off. Like, hmm. we didn't know that he was definitely, that he was necessarily going to come back in another book. So that's kind of cool. So, yeah, that I was... wrote that off. I thought, oh, it could be Galadon. No, surely not. And I think... Actually, the thing that threw me off was the bit where he talks in his own language, because I was like, none of those sound like Aeons, but he may, he comes from a different country that doesn't always use them. So. Right. And the, the bald head thing is also con- contributory to making people go like, oh, like, so he was, Galadon is the first one of these three that people picked out. Okay. Interesting. And Brandon confirmed that, yes, that is Galadon. Wow. Uh, cool. The one I wrote off is the one I got right. Second easiest. <laughs> Even though he does not talk much, he's got the slightly lighter skin and he's got the scar on his scalp, which we didn't see him get. But we saw at the beginning of um, the beginning of Hero of Ages, we saw that he had an injury like sometime between the end of Well of Ascension and the beginning of Hero of Ages to his scalp. Oh, was it? Oh, was that right? Is it Demu? It, it was Demu. Yes. Nice. And so I, I honestly you, you've mentioned wow. before that I said Demu was going to show up in another plan. I don't remember actually saying that, but. I was like, okay, if you said that, I mean, how else would you know it if I hadn't said it? So I kind of figured that you guys might grab that one because apparently I spoiled it at some point. I Yeah, it was honestly, like way early on, and I just – I've held on to that in my brain for a really long time. I think it was after we finished the first book or something. Hmm. remember that at all. Like, uh, no, it would have had to have been after the third one because we was we were worried Damien was going to die when he got missed sickness. No, because it, it wasn't specific. To, it wasn't like a conversation specifically about Demu. It was a conversation about people we might see on other planets. And he said, "There's two. It was before we knew who Hoyd was. And he's like, "There's two people in this book that you're gonna that that are in other oh, like okay. in other books or on other planets in the Cosmere." 
and he confirmed at that time. Excuse me, sorry. He said Demu was one of them. Uh, see, like, not gonna lie. If you listed every character in the Cosmere and did and did them in order of ones I thought would be likely to show up in other books, Demu would be close to the bottom. I would <laughs> never have picked Demu as a traveler. Well, and I mean, given his like dedication to the the, the Kelsier religion, it does seem weird to me that he'd be out here doing, you know, whatever else he's doing. Well, well, but knowing what we know it, about now, Ghost Blast. I was about to say, yeah, exactly. He's probably palling around with Kelsier and the Ghost Blitz then. Oh, OK. Yeah, no, that's a, that's yeah. a fair thought. Kelsey, Kelsey is like, hey, my most loyal dude. Want to come and join my organization? Yeah. And, and, and Dave is just like, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, dude who is literally around for the foundation of my religion and whom I once used my magic on so that you could fight uh, a dude. You want to you want to you want to come with me and save the save the planet? He's like, hell yeah. I mean, Demu also has the the plus of being an adium misting, which can be very powerful, although we don't have any adium that we know. So the adium is all gone. Yeah. (laughs) Hooray, my powers are useless now. And so that that was the second one that people picked out. Uh, when when this first came out, so we we had uh, the brand confirmed that yes, it's Demu. Oh, the third one. Uh, I'll I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say Joe did get the third one right. I think Dak Lunt was on was it name. too. He, yeah, uh, yeah, he he yep. agreed with me. Yep. Yeah, I said it's like that's Bayon. So yes, it is Bayon. The interesting thing is that this was before this book came out before White Sand was published. So people oh. who people who had read like the um the 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 version that he would hand out for free. They could maybe pick out Bayon, but, uh, you know, anyone who was just reading his official published works hadn't couldn't guess who this was because Bayon had not been in anything that was published at that point. One of the reasons I wanted to read oh, okay. White Sand before we got here so that you guys would know who Bayon was. But uh, I mean, there was more than, to it than that. But yeah. So, yes, we have three guys from three different worlds, from three different series, all working together here looking for Hoyd. An interesting group of people to come together. Yeah, right. Yeah. Three different planets, too. Yeah, it's crazy. And we know from Chris that it's not even easy to get like to and from Taldane at, uh, well, at whatever point she wrote the essay about Taldane. That could have been in the future for all we know. But so, yeah, Bayon apparently got off there at some point and is roaming around. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did. So that's true, too. Yeah. So if we make the assumption these guys are all working for Kelsia because he seems to, he seems to have his little planet hopping organization with people all around. He knows Chris. I wonder what Chris is thinking of, like, of Bayon working for Kelsia. He's like, they met that one time. Hmm. Interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get more information about this. Also, there is at least one other Mistborn character from the first book that you will see in the Stormlight Archive at some point. So, ooh. I was like, you said I said there were two of them. And I was like, if I said that, then that's not quite right. Because maybe you avoid other places. Counting- I was about to say, maybe you weren't counting Hoyt in that conversation originally, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe so. Yeah, because he's not originally from there, so that would make sense. But yeah, without, so... Uh, on that point, without actually asking for the answer, do you know where Hoyt is from? Has that been revealed? Or is Ooh, even answering yeah. that question a spoiler? Yeah, you don't have to answer it. Well, I'm trying to think. So, theoretically, Hoyt's backstory is supposed to come in the, the Dragonsteel book it, it was, oh, was yeah. going to be five books originally and then it was going to be three books and then there was talk about like one or two i don't know how many books it's going to be but yes I, we have mentioned that like hoyd's backstory is supposed to come in the dragon steel books and i think that we are at least relatively sure that those will take place on yolan the uh what what we've been told before is the original home of humanity in the cosmere so okay. probably that's where he's from but 
Who knows? Yeah. Until we until we we hear the story. Who knows? But yes, yeah, so that's our that's our first our first interlude. Which if if you aren't paying that much attention or you're not that Cosmere aware, it is just a random like not really that meaningful at this point at least thing where it's like oh yeah these three guys are looking for some guy they can't find them we learn about the pure lake which is interesting enough but when you're when you're in the know then you're like oh this has all sorts of interesting ramifications and like what could be going on especially since some of these stories uh took place quite a while before this story bring up the timeline again assuming that this this fan timeline is correct once again i always have to preface with that but um like White Sand takes place where it was White Sand on Taldane takes place, according to this, in the year eight, eight thousand one hundred and eleven, whereas the point in this book that we're at would be in the year ten thousand nine hundred and fifty five. So that's like through almost three thousand years. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah. Since, uh, well, we since know some crazy. Yeah, well, we didn't know something crazy is going on because Mistborn Era 1 was only several hundred years before this. And, yep. you know, Demu, Bayon, and Chris met Kelsier. Like, they're all meeting up, even though they're thousands of years apart, apparently. Yep. So, so yeah, so, some of these guys have been have been uh, around for a while, it seems like. What have they been doing? Who knows? We just know that right now they are looking for Hoyd. And who who isn't looking for Hoyd every now and then? Like, when when Grump says, where are you, Romer, it never occurred to me before. But as I was reading through this part, I was like, wait, does he say, where are you, Drifter? Because that Joe would love that. And then I got there. I'm like, ah, no, it's not Drifter. OK, I Grump, feel it like wasn't my version. <laughs> I feel like if it had come up as soon as Joe called it the sexy Drifter way back in Secret History, like our listeners would have lit the place up. Probably, yeah, because someone would have made a connection by now. So that it, I, I really like that interlude just because of all of the, you know, Bryn's like, for those of you who don't know, here's some cool stuff about a different part of the world. For those of you who do know, here's a bunch of little Easter eggs I'm throwing at you for, uh, uh, you know, yeah. for you to chew on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say like also Galadot is probably the first person to call him sexy. So because Galadot <laughs> does think he's sexy. <laughs> OK, if you say so. Yeah, you should have been there. <laughs> so. The next interlude is Nan Balat, who I believe Nan Balat is the person that gets mentioned in that previous Shalon chapter. Hold on. Nan Balat. Well, that tracks. They are related. Yeah. So that's when she's having her memories. It says Nan Balat bruised his coat torn. And you guys are like, oh, who's you know, who's that? Well, here, here you go. It's her brother, her oldest living brother. Yeah. Weird frickin name. <laughs> and so he's just sitting out here. He likes killing things. Not people. No, no, never people, but animals. Just makes him feel good. Not good. So he's sitting on the porch of his mansion, pulling the legs off of a small crab one at a time. So satisfying. Yeah, you know, as you do. He gets down there and he's just like, oh, that's just something he does. You have to keep your sanity somehow. And I'm like, no, <laughs> not like this, you don't. <laughs> right? Yeah, no. Not like this. It says he, he doesn't like to talk about it, but, uh, you know, it's just a thing that he does. Because he knows he'll get fucking... Oh. Mm. And uh, this, the area of Yakaved that they're in to the west and south of Alethkar is higher in elevation and broken by mountains such as the Horn Eater Peaks, which that's a cool name. People up there eating horns. There's a th- some wild songlings are singing in the distance. So these are crabs that make music by scraping their legs against their shells. So it's like the equivalent of crickets, but uh, they're crabs. 
yeah, whoever was the shard for this planet was just super into crabs. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the shard. It's crab. Crab at the shard. <laughs> Dr. Swinberg is a shard. This, is this why the yeah. listeners don't like uh, Crab at the? It's because there's a lot of crab action in this, in this uh, book. I mean, that's why we hate Crab at the was a thing in the first place. It was because of the random crabs. Yeah, the giant crabs. Yeah. No, it's I know. Been, I was there. It's been nearly six months since Shallan's departure, and they just had word via span read that she had succeeded in the first part of her plan, becoming Yasna Colin's ward. So if there was any doubt from before, she has succeeded. And he's like, my baby sister, who'd never even left the estates before, was preparing to rob the most powerful woman in the world. Uh, he, on the other hand, has trouble walking. He's th- he thinks I'm 23 years old and already a cripple. So that's his dad's doing, as I understand it? Maybe. Does, he, does it say that? Well, I mean, they talk about, like, dad, dad, uh, yeah. dad, dad was a ruthless asshole who would beat them sometimes, so I can assume it's he true. Like, knocked him down a flight of stairs. Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely don't sound good. I mean, the, the broken leg was so bad, the surgeon had almost cut the whole leg off. So, yeah, that's not good. And then he, he finds Scrack, his axe hound, playing with, uh, like, chewing on, I think it's Songling is what it is. And so uh, these damn axe hounds, they never obey properly. He's been breeding them since his youth, and you discover that the smarter an animal is, the more likely it was to disobey. It's like, oh, oh, Scrack was loyal, but she'd ignore you on the little things, like a young child trying to prove her independence. So that's that's cute. You don't have enough badges to train me. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. It's cute until he's like, yeah, so I got done with the crab, so I killed my lobster dog. Oh, he wouldn't kill Scrack. Probably. Um, Scrack is chewing on a, a songling, a fist-sized creature shaped like a peaked disc with four arms that scraped rhythms along the top. And so Scrack is, like, chewing a couple of the arms off, which, I mean, yeah, a dog will find a little animal and, like, mess with it. I, you know, I'm not... Yeah, yeah. That's that's pets. And so I'm sure when even though it says axe hound, I'm sure you guys were thinking a hound. Like, what what else is that going to mean? And then it's like her antenna rise up and her six (sighs) legs extend before her as she sits on her haunches. Now, I will say I have a dog. His ears are kind of like antenna sometimes. So, like, (laughs) I was with it until it said six legs. And also then I just kept picturing like an axe beak from dungeons and dragons but a dog and i was like this is weird and then it doesn't have a shell or skin it has like some sort of like in between it's more pliable than true carapace but harder than skin and made of interlocking sections so yeah very yeah so it's it's like the tom brady of lobster dogs They're, the the dog is pliable i get it. It, it 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 reads to me like a lobster yeah. With the if you don't understand uh, if you don't understand the pliable joke, that's a joke from Tom Brady's uh, book that he wrote about himself, where he keeps talking about how pliable he is. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, he's a he's an awkward guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder where the yeah. name Axehound comes from, because like this is clearly just a dog that functions as a, a, a crab dog sort of thing. Where does the axe yeah. come from? Uh-huh. The fuck does Maybe axe they have to cut do with down any of this? Trees? It says it has an angular face, hmm. so maybe you could think of it as shaped, shaped like an axe with deep black eyes, which sounds creepy as hell. Ooh, that does sound creepy. It just makes me think, um, like you know those zombie movies that like they have all the zombies in them, but they go out of their way to never say the word zombie. Like, sure, this yeah. is this this is what Brandon is doing with crabs and crustaceans <laughs> in this book. He is avoiding those words like the plague while making everything yeah. like them. Yeah, and you know, you remember how he hates horses. It's like, that's why there are so many crabs instead. 
I mean, there are, there are horses on this world, so at some point we're going to see like a crab tear one to pieces. Maybe. Yeah. Like, he scratches the do- the the axe hound behind its ear holes. Yeah. So it's, it's just trying so hard to be a dog, but uh, just so not at the same time. <laughs> Brandon, what did what did a horse do to you, buddy? We're here. <laughs> and then you can tell us. This is safe. This is a safe space. Scrack pounces on the songling, crunching at its shell with her strong outer mandibles. So just like okay, yeah, it's got like two two sets of mandibles. That's good. That's what you want in a dog. And Balot is thinking, like, am I a coward for, like, letting my baby sister go and do this? Like, I couldn't do it. Only a woman could get close enough. And we know from Shalon that it was her plan in the first place. I don't know that he actually establishes that here. Probably because he thinks of, like, she, in, in her mind, after their father's death, she's the one who, like, stood up and took charge. This is the oldest kid who probably, in his own mind, he's like, well, I'm the one who took charge, obviously. And he's like, yeah, this plan probably won't even work, it, you know. And all, all the while having this discussion with the, his dog, he's still, like, ripping legs off of crabs. Oh, and it actually says crab here. So disregard what I just said. Oh, yeah, see, the crab was too small. and The legs came off too easily. <laughs> Instantly proven wrong. Yep. I, you said that, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure we've heard crustacean at least. But, yeah, there you go. Right, right there. Yep. No need to at me. They were a broken family. Years suffering under their father's brutal temper had driven Asha Jushu to vice and Tet Wickham to despair. Only Balat had escaped unscathed. Balat and Shalon. She'd been left alone, <laughs> never touched. It's like, only I have been left unscathed. I mean, I kill animals for fun, but... Right, yeah. And so we find out that they had another brother. He says, if only Helleran had survived. Their eldest brother, then known as Nan Helleran, as he'd been mm. the first son, had stood up to their father repeatedly. So I guess that indicates that Nan Balat, like the Nan part means like oldest son... Yeah, or, so uh, now, or heir or eldest or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so now that their oldest brother is dead, he is Nan instead of... And we, we find out we got Asha Jushu and Tet Wickham. So maybe all of those are like like first, second, third or something. Yeah, presumably Sh- uh, Shalan has one as well. Maybe, yeah. Unless maybe only sons get it, because like Joe might be right. It might be an inheritance thing. I don't know. Could be. For some reason, I, I picture Asha Jushu as, as, a, as a girl just because... I think the name Asha comes up in a lot of fantasy as a female name. So That's true, too. I feel like Shalon said that she had all brothers, but I may be misremembering that. She could, yeah. I could be projecting onto this. Also, Asha Jushu is not easy to say. No, yeah, it's a little bit uh, of a mouthful, I agree. <laughs> and then somebody calls out, Balat! Wickham appeared on the porch. The younger man was past his recent bout of melancholy, it appeared. He says, we have a problem. A larger problem. Pretty big, I'd say. Come on. And that's the end of the... We don't get to find out what this problem is. That's the end of the yeah. thing. We don't get to see if if uh, Nan, you know, Vanilla ices it and says, if you got a problem, you all solve it. So we get our last interlude, which is from Seth. And if you notice, the two interludes that we had before this, we, we talked about, like, the symbols at the beginning of the chapters. The two before this had the same symbol at the beginning, uh, which it looks kind of abstract to me. It's like a circle with a bunch of lines through it. Seth's interlude has that picture that we've looked, seen before of like Seth with a big ass sword and his hand up or like over his face. It even and looks he, va- vaguely like a Mr. Knight costume. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with you there. Good night. Uh, it's forever. Seth is going to be moonlight for moon Knight for Dak. And it's awesome. I'm, I'm here I mean, that it. is, that is an incredible thing to be. Moon Knight is the best. <laughs> and so Seth has found himself in a bar, not even a nice bar, but like he's sitting on the floor with beer soaking into his pants. 
And uh, it's been five years since he'd assassinated the king of Alethkar. And now he's just like uh, working for some guy. And the people in the bar are like, oh, man, he'll do whatever you say. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, he totally will. Makes him makes him stand up, makes him jump up and down, tells him to pour this guy's beer on his head. And the guy's like, what? No, that's my beer. Make him do something else. He's like, OK, hey, cut up your arm. And they're like, dude, that's messed up. It's like, no, no, it'll be great. And so, yeah, Seth, like, pulls out a knife and starts cutting his own arm. Blood yeah. seeping out around the dirty blade. Ugh. Great. So, so cool. And then he's like, hey, cut your throat. And the guy's like, no, don't. What are you? And he's like, no, it's fine. And Seth has to say, like, I am forbidden to take my own life. As truthless, it is the nature of my suffering to be forbidden to taste the taste of death by my own hand. And they're like, but geez, does he always talk like that? Like some important light eyes? Like, oh, yeah, you know, he's weird. And then uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, you could take this guy and he'll you, you could he could work in the mines and then you could collect his pay. He'll do like whatever you want. Yeah, I was waiting for somebody to be like, do a flip. <laughs> <laughs> and they ask, how did you how'd you come by him? And this took guy has this whole story about like this ridiculous story about how he found this guy and the guy pledged his eternal servitude or whatever. Poet and I send each other Lord of the Rings memes all the time. And like I, apparently we've been doing it too much because I spent this entire section just going, fool of a took. Yeah, exactly. That's the first thing I think of, too, to be honest. Which is ridiculous because took is like a, a normal verb conjugation. But still, that's the first thing place my mind goes. Yep. Yeah, when it's a name, it changes. Yeah, that's fair. And so we we find out that what really happened is that after he'd killed the king, as they were fleeing, the Parshendi like chucked this rock and uh, he like stood there until somebody came along. Yeah, it's like they they, they just chucked his rock off uh, this this oath stone is what it's called. And so he had to go and pick it up and stand next to the road. He did take off the white outfit because he's like, OK, I mean, if I leave this white outfit on, everyone's going to know the famous. He becomes very famous after that, the assassin in white. And so a guy comes along and he has to explain to him like, hey, this is my rock. If you take my rock, you can tell me what to do. And the guy kind of takes pity on him and uh, puts him in the cart, not knowing that he's the guy everyone is looking for who's just killed the king. And he takes him out of the country. So, you know, Seth got lucky there, I guess, in that, you know, they didn't find him and kill him for killing the king. Although it seems like he might welcome that, in all honesty. What would these men say if they knew that the man who emptied their chamber pot was a shard bearer and a surge binder, a wind runner like the radiance of old? There's the radiance again. They keep popping up. And this he actually likes this life a little more than like he's like, look, doing this crappy stuff is great. I don't want to be killing people. Having to serve these people who are not that ambitious. I'm all about it. They're not going to send me off to assassinate kings. This is great. I'll I'll muck out stables and empty chamber pots and whatever. They're, this little this tiny place is practically a metropolis for Bavland, the small, mostly ignored stretch of land just south of the Horn Eater Peaks. Apparently, it's not a, a mecca of culture. And so, uh, yeah, Seth has to follow his his master through the streets as he's drunk and stumbling around, wishing that the second sister, known as Noman to the Easterners, would have risen and given a little more light. And then Took falls down, and he's like, ah, okay, this won't be the first time I have to drag my drunk-ass master back to his bed. But it turns out that uh, there's a knife in Took's neck, and there's some guys that come out of the alley and start robbing him. Yeah, you know, friendly neighborhood uh, burglars. <laughs> and so uh, he's like, should I do something? I mean, there's infused spheres in that pouch I could draw on if I need to. And the guy, the guy, one of the guys with the knife is like, ah, no, nah, he, he's Shin, won't hurt a Kremlin. 
I'm telling you, they're harmless, almost like parchment. We can sell him. Maybe. And they're like, oh, geez, this was hardly even worth the effort. A handful of chips and two marks. Like, killed this guy for nothing. But we can sell this slave guy. People like shin servants. He's just a kid. Nah, they all look like that. And so uh, one of them finds the rock, the oath stone. He's like, hey, what's this thing? And Seth's like, I'm required to tell you that you are holding my oath stone. And as long as you possess it, you are my master. And the guy's like, okay, what does that mean in precise terms and all? I must obey you in all things, though I will not follow in order to kill myself. And he thinks he also won't follow in order to give up his shard blade. But nobody needs to know about that part. And the chapter ends with the guy like, so you'll do anything I say? Well, ain't that something interesting? Something interesting indeed. And yeah, that is the end of uh, the interludes. And just today, the 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 assassin of King Gavilar was found holding up a liquor store. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Just so we're all on the same page. Part two, the illuminating storms. It's uh, the characters listed since Joe's already read them. Dalinar, Kaladin and Adolin. There you go. It does not look like we will be getting some Shallan perspectives in part two. Have we heard the name Adolin or Adolin before? I don't believe that we have heard Adolin before. Okay. We have heard Dalinar. Yes, sir. the king's brother. I remember him. Yep. So that's what we have to look forward to next time. Now, before we move on to anything else, let me let me do the uh, the back of the book, and I'll read. Well, I'll read the email after we do the back of the book. So let me pull up the back of the book, since Joe doesn't have a physical book to look at, and I will read it out, and then we can uh, we can talk about it if we need to. It's gonna be funny if this is different to what I'm looking at here. It will be funny. I agree. So I'm I'm pulling up the listing on Amazon, which has a nice large picture. So most of this is in um, italics. I keep wanting to say parentheses. It's italics. I long for the days before the last desolation, the age before the heralds abandoned us and the night's radiant turned against us, a time when there was still magic in the world and honor in the hearts of men. The world became ours, and yet we lost it. Victory proved to be the greatest test of all, or was that victory illusory? Did our enemies come to recognize that the harder they fought, the fiercer our resistance? Fire and hammer will forge steel into a weapon, but if you abandon your sword, it eventually rusts away. There are four whom we watch. The first is the surgeon, forced to forsake healing to fight in the most brutal war of our time. The second okay, is the Kaladin. assassin. It, maybe. The second The second is the assassin, a murderer who weeps as he kills. The third, yeah. the third is, a, is the liar, a young woman who wears a scholar's mantle over the heart of a thief. Shalan. The last is the prince, a warlord whose eyes have opened to the to the ancient past as his thirst for battle wanes. Uh, Dalinar. Got the it. world can change. Surge binding and shard wielding can return. The magics of ancient days can become ours again. These four people are key. One of them may redeem us and one of them will destroy us. Bum, that is bum, not bum. what I've got. Really? OK, yep. uh, there's there's one more little bit at the bottom that says speak the ancient oaths. I'm sorry, speak again, the ancient oaths, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination, and return to men the shards they once bore. The night's radiant must stand again. That bit I've got, and then I've got a little bit of a synopsis, but but not the one you got. Okay, well, each of the... You want me to read mine? Yeah, okay, sure, why not? So mine says... Roshar is a world of stone and storms. Its terrifying and frequent tempests have shaped ecology and civilization alike. Animals hide in shells and trees pull in branches. Cities are built only where the land offers shelter. It has been centuries since the fall of the ten consecrated orders known as the Knights Radiant, but their shard blades and shard plate remain. 
mystical swords and suits of armor that transform ordinary men into near-invincible warriors. Men traded kingdoms for shard blades. Wars were fought for them and won by them. One such war is about to swallow up a soldier, a bright lord, and a young woman scholar. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That is very different. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit... There are some similarities, but it's a little bit different. Yeah. So the reason that I wanted to address mine is because uh, this Peter writes in and says... I wondered if you would like to point out to the team that the paragraph on the back cover is a quote from an in-world character. There are interesting bits to ponder over, and that's that's his whole email. So what I read out, which it sounds like they kind of tried to do a little similar summary without the exact quote on the back of Dax's book, and I don't know if, if the actual one is on the back of the second one, but each of the Stormlight books has uh, a, a thing on the back cover like the one I read, and they're all by an in-universe character. Yeah. So that's uh, they wanted me to point that out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point, because it it's weird in that it's like, oh, the back of the book actually, in a way, gives information that you don't get in the book because it's like written by a person in the universe. And so but it's not I mean, it's not like this phrasing appears in the book. It's uh, so it's like a little bit of extra. And Joe has some guesses already about who these four people are that are. I mean, based on the description, it seems pretty clear that's who they are. Yeah, it's a, that, well, that wasn't exactly a, a hard one to figure <laughs> out. <laughs> so, yes, that's the back of the book. I wanted to touch on that before I forgot about it. And uh, we, I will try to remember as we get into the other ones to uh, I'll touch on the back of the book at the beginning of the book so that we can theorize before we get into it. Because uh, that probably would have been a thing to do at the beginning of this one if I had remembered that the back of the book had significance. I am, I'm very curious now what, what it says on your other one. So we may have to talk about that at a different time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, predigments. Let's see what is what's coming. What where are the where is where are we going from here? Ah, oh, gee. Well, we ended part one. Kaladin. I, I think he's finally kind of putting into motion what I originally predicted for him, which is that he will do well as a bridge crewman. My 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 more specific uh, prediction for predicament for him at this point is that he's going to like turn the bridge crews around. Like he's going to create a model system. And like they're going to use like makeshift shields, and he's going to cre- basically create a bridge unit that cannot be defeated, and like they lose almost no people, and and because of that, he'll be recognized and then turned into a soldier or something. That would be my predicament that uh, he will move. You know, he'll he'll create such a a tight bridge crew, ideal, you know, least amount of casualties that eventually his bridge crew is going to be the one everybody wants to be on because they don't die. Hmm. That's my immediate prediction more, or excuse me, my more specific prediction for Kaladin. Uh, Shalane, I, we didn't get any of her this week. And then the rest of the stuff was interludes. So I feel like that's just more background information for us. I, I have no idea what could possibly be going wrong. Maybe somebody found out their dad is dead and that's the big problem. That seems to be the main thing they don't want to happen right now is for somebody to find out that their dad is dead. So, mm-hmm. so that may be the problem that's that's happening back home. And then, yeah, the stuff with Sveth, like, yeah, I don't know if this guy's gonna like basically make him into a sword for his criminal empire. Like, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. But yeah, I don't have much this week because I feel like a lot of it was kind of tertiary. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the the interludes definitely feel a little tertiary. And like I mentioned last time, Brandon often uses the interludes to kind of like show like like how we learn stuff about the pure lake here it's like in the main section of the story we probably won't make it to the pure lake anytime soon if ever so here's expanding on the world by you know giving you a little view of something else but 
you got a good point about Kaladin is you guys theorized from the beginning and maybe it, it wasn't a hard theory to jump to because it's like, well, he seems to be a main character here. So, you know, he's not going to just get beaten down as a slave and die. He's going to have to turn it around somehow. And so it it does seem like maybe this is the beginning of that. It just came slightly later than you initially predicted because you didn't realize how far he had to fall. Where we're going. Like, I, I agree. Obviously it's like, Oh, Kaladin is you know setting himself up as like, he's, doing a similar thing to what he was doing. He's taking the people in his command under his protection, but I think there's going to be a much more cynical edge to it now. Mm. Whereas before, like he was just, he was in the army and he was, he seemed like he believed in the Chano command. He's like, Oh yeah, we prove ourselves and we'll get sent to the shattered planes and do the fighting. Uh, and he seems like he really wanted to protect his soldiers so that they could go to the big battle. I think now it, he's going to, it's going to be on the surface, the similar thing he's protecting his crew, but it's going to be the much like harder edge it's like he's got to protect them from his like their higher ups as as much as the enemy so yeah. he's going to find him he's, he's going to find himself like uh, building up i think i made the joke it's like oh, he might do a spartacus thing and it's it's it could build to something similar to that where it's like uh, no we will do this job you need to do but you got to start treating us right and becomes this mythic figure as someone who stands up to the bright eyes just as much as he stands up to the parchment Parch mm. so yeah. I think, yeah, he'll build, he'll build himself a nice little following off of that. Hopefully, Gary fucking dies. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I could, I could see like Gary being told, "You got to rein in these people under your command, under your command," and he can't do it because they're like, they're all standing up to him, like in a bug's life. And so maybe Gary will be executed for incompetence, or hell, maybe he'll be demoted and have to join the bridge crew. That'll be funny. Oh, ironic. Yep. Yep. Beyond that. Um, the interlude on the Pure Lake, not really a lot to say there. I hope we do come back there. I would love to see more of that. I, I have I have the image of one of our characters being on the Pure Lake when a storm rolls in and getting sucked down with the water into a hole. Uh, mm. And then maybe they maybe they find like the underground stuff. The mole there people? Under- yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sub- subterranean crabs. Crab yeah, I, people. Sorry, I do think Joe's Joe's pretty well right. Like someone has discovered that Chalan's dad is dead, and so I think that it'd be a great irony if like she spends this book tr- like doing her best to steal this thing, get away, get back, and then she gets back and finds my family's gone, mm. the, the estate's been taken over, it was all for nothing, and then she's really on her own because she's got Shalan coming after her, pissed off, and now she's like got no home to go back to, so she goes on the run. That would suck. Yep. Yep. And uh, Seth, I get the feeling, as much as I joke that uh, this this petty back alley mugger would just use Seth to do some petty back alley mugging, I get the feeling like it's clearly got to build to something. So whatever he's, whatever this guy's going to do is going to bring Seth back into the national limelight, and people are going to, even if they don't connect him with the assassin who killed King Gavilar, he's still going to build up notoriety as whatever figure he gets turned into, whether a job goes wrong or it goes so right that he becomes instantly recognizable. Mm. Um, yeah. The, like the, 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 the little shin will become very notorious and he won't be able to hide from it so much this time. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Apparently shin aren't super common out here as some of the people don't really recognize what he is. And a shin with crazy superpowers to walk on ceilings or something that would probably stand out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so like Seth, Seth's gonna have his big moment, and I don't know, maybe he'll have to go back to a, back back to a Leth car, and yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I don't know specifically what. Well, we know that uh, we don't have him as a perspective character in this next section, so whatever it is, it's not gonna happen immediately. 
No, no, his story will probably take place through the interludes and then and then come back for the finale in a big way. Could be. At least we haven't lost track of him completely. I agree. He's a fun guy, and I want to see more. Yeah, I like his. I just like his thought process. It is interesting, and it, it makes you want to know, like, but why though? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair thoughts. Good. Uh, simple. Makes sense. I, I like where where some of these may lead us potentially. All right. Let's let's move on to we we got one new review. Let's do that first. It's a it's a short one. So this one is from. Platinum Kid, five stars, great first time Cosmere show, fabulous show with great analysis and humor, exclamation point. Oh, man, I just hearted in the chat because you slid into our hearts. You're a slider. <laughs> nice. There you go. Thank you. Sadly, Platinum sadly, Kid. Platinum is not an alimantic metal, isn't it? No, not that we know of. And we're pretty sure at this point that we know all 16. So, OK, Emails. We have a bunch of emails, and so I'm definitely not going to read all of them. I already read uh, like Pete's because it was super short and just like, hey, what about the back of the book, though? And we have another pretty short one that I'm going to pull out next, even though it's one of the more recent ones. This one is from James, who's just made it to episode 43. It says, hey, Data, I'm just started listening to the podcast. I'm truly loving it. On episode 43, which is Hero of Ages 8, 9, 10, and 11, Joe says there's nothing good that comes from Breeze and Alrianne. I thought to myself, 300 years from now, the coolest Mistborn character will be born. Anyways, thanks for a great podcast. We'll binge to catch up as soon as I can. Stormlight is my favorite, so looking forward to it. Also, Final Fantasy references are great. Yeah. Hey, man. You know what? Wax is all right, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take you the guess? hit on that one. He could be a little wishy-washy until the end. Really, Jamie is the one who like uh, liked Orion the least, so... I'd, she, she's gonna have to come to terms with the right yeah if it wasn't for her we wouldn't have wax who's pretty awesome i mean wax is great and all but he's no steris it's true i i was actually thinking that right before he said it i'm like and i guess maybe we wouldn't have met steris since you know we're following wax but steris the best uh okay uh let's do let's do at least one more this one is from cliffhanger dak prediction is the title of the email Hello, oh Sander Lynch. Yeah, I know. Hello, Sander Lynch podcast people and me in the future. If this gets read right on the podcast, I've been listening from the start, but first time emailing when you made your second Reddit post about the podcast, I commented that I was really enjoying the podcast, but wanted y'all to cover more chapters per episode. To be honest, I thought this was just going to be a little covid project for y'all and that they wouldn't it wouldn't last after the worst of the pandemic. Hence why I wanted a significantly faster pace. I never would have guessed just how long the pandemic would last. And obviously, this is not a little COVID project for y'all. To be fair, you'd only posted like three or four episodes at the time. Since then, I've definitely changed my mind on the chapter pacing. Just wanted to thank y'all for the hours of entertainment, probably over 200 that I've listened to. It's such a great podcast. Side note, I don't recall any emails mentioning it, but I always enjoy Dax. You skipped over the best part while Data makes his way through the chapter summaries. And then he'll go out to, he'll oh, go yeah. to point out something minor yet funny. I did do that a lot, didn't I? I haven't done that in a while. That's classic. Yeah, we need to get some that's more classic Dak. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's, it just means Data's gotten better at covering the best bits. Yeah, There's maybe. a t-shirt. You skipped the best part. You skipped the best part. Second side note, a few weeks ago, I listened to the episode where Joe talks about reading introductions slash forwards to books. I guess it was from the White Sand episode. He makes the point that he was taught to read it as the author's intent in putting it there is that there, so the readers will read it. I would say that has not been my experience. Most of the forewords slash introductions for books that I have seen have been for special slash anniversary editions slash translations and have often contained substantial spoilers for the themes or even the plot of the book. Usually they aren't even written by the original author. If it is the author, it's for a special or anniversary edition written like it's addressing fans who have previously read the book. Yeah. Now, you make a good point, and mm. certainly um, 
usually I'm more careful about not reading stuff like that for our podcast. I think mainly my point was like if you if you're reading nonfiction, like reading the forward and introduction can be important because it mm. will kind of tell you, hey, this is what this book is about, and this is what it's done for people in the past. This is why people think it's a good book. Yeah, and so you'll get kind of a an overview before you even start reading on whether or not the book is worth your time. Hmm. I don't read a lot of nonfiction, so I'm pro- I'm not as familiar with that. It, it made me what, that those comments made me think of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where every time a new edition was published, he would publish like it with a new you know introduction by the author that would sometimes flatly contradict what he said in the previous one or something like as part of the joke. So yeah, I, I kind of get where he's coming from. Well, you're about to say every time he published it, that we would just add one more chapter onto the end that, that changes the ending. <laughs> that would be hilarious, actually. Yeah, every edition is is that different. The the, the signature is "Thanks again" from a fan of Spook. If you right up until other. the end, my friend. No, I think we got like four more, but I think I'm gonna go ahead and save them because we're running long on this one. Anything else that I wanted to do? Oh, I have forgotten for several weeks now about the uh, the word of Brandon of the week that we started doing. And I don't remember even when the last one was, but I know that I have forgotten. Uh, it was a while back. <laughs> I think it was probably before. Uh, I think it was probably before we started Warbreaker. Before Stormlight, I mean, not Warbreaker. Before Stormlight, yeah. It might have been. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna bring it back this time. I have no idea if if it'll fall by the wayside again by next week. But um, here's here's a short one that uh, I find kind of interesting, but I don't know that there'll be much to talk about here. So the questioner says, in secret history, you talked about Kelsier being attuned to ruin more than to preservation. How come Vin isn't that same way? And Brandon's response is, I have to say this very carefully. She is, for reasons that I'm not going to explain at the moment, and she isn't at the same time. Huh. I guess, like, I would need to know the context of when he said that based on what books were out. Yeah, I mean, um, it must have been after all of the original trilogy came out because it's after Secret History. Right. So, but yeah, I don't know. And, and Secret History didn't even come out until after Bands of Mourning. So the only Mistborn book that could have come out since this is Lost Metal. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, my thought on that is basically, like, we've talked pretty specifically about the differences in character and, like, ethics and morals of Vin and Kelsier. Mm-hmm. And Vin did what Kelsier wouldn't have done in several situations. But the funny thing was, she was kind of taught to think that way originally by Kelsier. So it's like this kind of weird juxtaposition where like the student really did surpass the master. It's like he's the one who opened her mind to thinking this way, but then she does it way better than he does. It's true. She cares. Anything, Dak? Any thoughts on that one? No, I've got no idea what to make of that. It's (laughs) it's that's that's just a like a super cryptic answer. Right? Yeah. That's that's kind of why I picked it because it was so cryptic, Mm. but it's like I find it interesting. Yeah. She is I don't know, because, like, when we talk about preservation, like, human beings' will or, like, a sense of conscious, like, identity, being able to make free will choices, that's from preservation. Right. And then the other – a lot of the other stuff is from ruin. So, like, I guess my thought is, like, she exemplifies those preservation ideals better than Kelsier does. Hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. Yes, yeah, obviously also like more he's like more willing to use ruin powers like, you know, he's got a spike for his face so that he can be like all ghosty or whatever. <laughs> he, just, he wants to live. He's the, he wants to survive. He's the survivor. So that is right. what he does. And it's like 
that's that's literally opposite of what Vin does. She like gives up her life, whereas Kelsier wants to survive. One hundred. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Which, in a way, is like more preservation. Like preservation, mm-hmm. like the Lord Ruler, because he was he, he was the one guy that like lasted over the millennia or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so thanks. Uh, Vin sorry. gives up her life by choice. Kelsia st- uh, sticks around to life by choice. Yep. Marsh. Yeah. Stuck. Well, I mean, Marsh could <laughs> die if he wanted to, but yeah, yeah, but he stop using the adium. Yeah, he's, he he feels like he's just got an obligation to keep going. <laughs> he was an obligator, and he has an obligation. Didn't even think of that until you said it. Points. (laughs) So thank you, everyone, who sent us an email. If you want to send an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. For people who sent in and have not heard yours yet, like I said, I'm saving several because we had so many this time. Uh, You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Patreon, where my reactions to The Sunlit Man are still going up at the moment. I actually still have not finished The Sunlit Man, but I'm at least a few episodes ahead of where the Patreon is at the moment. So I'm keeping out of it. So check that out if you want, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Music by Miracle of Sound. For next time, we are reading two chapters again. We're back to two chapters for the next few episodes, actually. So we're reading 12 and 13 for next time, if you are following along. So yeah, read 12 and 13 if you uh, want to read along with us next time. As we get into a couple of uh, – this section will have at least two perspectives we learned that we have not seen from before we saw dalinar passed out on the ground one time but we definitely haven't seen from his perspective and then <laughs> chapter is up he is still in fact passed out on that same floor <laughs> and he was actually in a karma yeah maybe it's like as dalinar w- awakens from we don't even floor. know who adolin is so um i always say said it adolin but that's one of those names like yasna that has been pointed out to me that i was saying it wrong and so i'm trying to get it right this time um so we don't even know who that is. We'll see as we get into uh, section two, part two, rather, the illuminating storms. Thanks, everybody. Two chapters for next time. And wasing to the time of next. Colo, P.S. Fasher. Crabs ahoy! Crabs ahoy!